As the coronavirus crisis continues, today we're talking with both of Indiana's U.S. Senators. I'll ask Senator Mike Braun and Senator Todd Young about the government response and the latest legislation in Congress. And we'll ask the governor why the state isn't expanding mail-in voting for the November election. Plus, school back in session amidst the pandemic and an empty IMS for this month's Indy 500. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. With Indiana's coronavirus numbers on the rise in recent weeks, the start of school has been a big concern for teachers and parents. Already this past week, we've seen reports of cases popping up in local schools as the year gets underway. We spoke about that topic with both of Indiana's senators as well as the ongoing negotiations in Congress with lawmakers working on the next relief packages. Unemployment benefits begin to expire for a lot of people across the state and around the country. We'll have those interviews coming up. But first this morning, it's a decision that disappointed many race fans, but a necessary move, according to many public health officials. For the first time ever, the Indy 500 will run two weeks from today without any fans at IMS. Russ McQuaid has more. The entrances to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway were set up to welcome fans to the greatest spectacle in racing during a pandemic, but the numbers just didn't work for IMS owner Roger Penske. So even a couple weeks ago, um, you know, the number of cases had basically tripled from late June until a couple weeks ago. The percentage of positive tests had gone up from just below 5% to almost double that in, in the county. And ultimately we ran out of time. Chris Hill of Dawson's on Main Street was planning on full tables on race weekend to make up for the business he's lost during the COVID-19 summer. It will be whittled down. Obviously no fans is, is a big deal, but like I said earlier, I think people will still want to hear the sounds, hear the, hear the cars. Um, it's a tradition that people have, have grown accustomed to in May. Um, I'm just happy they're, they're still going to have it. Being about a week from when we were going to be on track and within 20 days of the Indy 500, and then just seeing the metrics, the numbers that we talked to the city and state about that we really needed to have go in the right direction in order for us to activate the plan that I think everybody believed was the right plan, the numbers just weren't there, and we just felt like we couldn't uh, continue to push and put people in a worse spot by making this decision later. Russ McQuaid reporting. Russ, thanks. Also this week, we are hearing from both of Indiana's U.S. Senators to discuss the ongoing talks in Congress over the next stimulus package. First up, Indiana Senator Mike Braun on what kind of legislation we might ultimately see. I'm nearly certain there's going to be a package put out there. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to the HEROES Act, which goes way beyond addressing coronavirus issues. It's kind of a wish list of a lot of policy stuff. And I'm one of the most fiscally conservative individuals here. I still like to stick my neck out on issues to make sure we're in the discussion. But uh, trillions are now thrown around like hundreds of billions. And uh, I think uh, government caused this because of the approaches to handle the disease. So there's responsibility for the companies and the individuals that were displaced for us to do something. But if you take care of those at the lower end of the pay scale, most importantly, uh, the businesses that got overlooked in the first packages, that would be a whole lot less than a trillion. Uh, you're going to have some Republicans, myself included, that whenever that package is dropped in our lap, it'll be the top line number that probably is going to turn us off on it 
more so than the content and I still think it'll pass and I think it's a matter of a week and a half or two uh, because I think they've come off of that lofty perch of uh, the Heroes Act, which to me we couldn't afford, and it's got so many things in there not focused on coronavirus, uh, it'll get worked out and we'll come back and vote on it. You took some heat this week for in an interview saying that schools should take a little bit of risk when it comes to reopening. Do, do you regret saying it that way, given that we're talking about the health and safety of our, of our kids and our teachers, and given the fact that we have seen cases pop up already in some Indiana schools? No, not at all in the sense that if, if you take anything literally, you might be able to interpret that in a way that uh, is like throwing caution to the wind. I'm saying uh, do not hunker down, uh, do not uh, accept uh, the fact that you've got to do something drastically across the board. The reading I'm getting from most uh, parents is they want to reopen safely. And when I say take a little risk, uh, I said mitigated, uh, not doing it in a way that would, uh, you know, uh, in any way uh, say that you're going to cascade into issues. But on the other hand, you're going to have to try things differently. Maybe that'd be a simpler way to look at it. Uh, just what, in the same way that Purdue has put out a protocol for how we're going to, you know, try to teach at the post-secondary level, uh, I think that same kind of approach needs to be taken at the elementary and secondary level. And I'm guessing that most parents across the state uh, are willing to see if that happens. If you do it, if you're running into issues, you've got to react quickly and be on guard because there is no guaranteed method of how we get through this that's going to be probably ideal. Uh, of course, I won't go through the litany of other reasons why it might be healthier to be in school rather than out of it. Uh, and we've got the peculiarity of the disease itself that kind of ebbs and flows and shows us something new. Uh, so that means do not throw caution to the wind. I don't think you stay at home and uh, have that as a method to where you avoid it entirely. Uh, you got to be quick on your feet. Uh, be enterprising and do it safely. All right, Senator Mike Braun there in Washington, D.C. Also this week, I spoke with Indiana Senator Todd Young about the coronavirus crisis, our national response, and the steps Congress is looking to take now. I want to start by asking, where do you stand on the various proposals being discussed in Congress when it comes to another stimulus package? And how dire a situation will this be for people who are suddenly without the same unemployment benefits they've been getting these past few months if something doesn't get worked out here? Well, look, we need to come up with a principled compromise. It's clear there's a very yawning gap between uh, the current trillion-dollar negotiating position that we have in the U.S. Senate, which includes liability protections for schools and businesses so that they can safely reopen. Uh, it does provide unemployment insurance, but winds down the current level of, of uh, uh, assistance we currently provide, and additional assistance to our health care providers and our hardest-hit businesses. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's package, $3.5 trillion, a third of it has nothing to do with coronavirus relief and includes things like uh, funding the National Endowment for the Arts. So, um, look, there are real lives at stake here. Uh, it's time to put political games aside. Uh, I think that 
Democrats uh, clearly have not been negotiating in good faith. And, and uh, so this is an indictment, not of all Democrats. Uh, I don't like to do that. But Nancy Pelosi um, has not moved off of her $3.5 trillion figure. If she really wants to help the American people, if Chuck Schumer want to help the American people, they're going to have to uh, come a bit our way as we're prepared to come their way. Uh, more broadly, uh, on the virus itself, we're seeing about a thousand deaths a day in, in this country. The president in an interview this week saying, quote, it is what it is. How do you want to see him respond and how what do we need to be doing as a country to improve our response to this deadly virus? You know, I think all of us uh, uh, in public life should be doing our best to express empathy. I can only speak for myself and and. Um, um, try and, and uh, sympathize because I, I can't entirely put myself in the shoes of someone uh, who has lost someone who has COVID or, or has a direct family member uh, who's been infected by this wicked virus. Uh, but we need to be providing uh, all of the reassurance and all of the direct assistance we can in order to keep people safe and secure. So that means uh, testing, tracing. Uh, Republicans are working on a package to incorporate that into the current negotiations. Uh, that includes uh, some assistance or flexibilities for our state and local governments, for example. So um, those are meaningful things within my control. In the meantime, we, we certainly need to be sensitive to the horrible carnage that has been wrought uh, as a result of this uh, to individual lives, to businesses, and, and to other major institutions. Uh, what about our schools? We have already seen a few cases pop up across Indiana schools that have reopened. Are, are you concerned about uh, the safety of, uh, of students and, and teachers as schools reopen? Will they be able to do it safely? Was the father of, of four young children, age 14, 12, and, and my twins are 10. Of course, I'm, I'm very concerned. I'm concerned about uh, the other kiddos around uh, Indiana and around America. Uh, however, um, I, I look at their whole health, right? So I'm, I'm concerned about the possibility that they uh, might be affected by this virus. I'm also concerned about their social and emotional and, and intellectual development, all, all of which will be inhibited if they're not allowed to go back to school. So we need to balance these two things. I think we're doing our very best. The governor uh, is doing his very best uh, working with different school districts uh, to make these uh, decisions. And uh, my kids are, have returned to school this week. I hope that most of their schooling can be done in person. Senator Todd Young, thank you for taking some time with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Dan. All right. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, the conventions going virtual. The president and vice president, Joe Biden and his running mate, could all be making speeches virtually. We'll talk about that with our panel and the latest on the fight over mail-in voting here in Indiana. What the governor and state Democrats are saying about that issue next. We are your local election headquarters, and today we're talking about the debate over absentee ballots and whether Hoosiers should again be able to vote by mail with no-fault absentee balloting, as we did in the primary. Last week, two former lieutenant governors from opposite sides of the aisle called on the state to make that move, but so far, Governor Holcomb has resisted. Our Kayla Sullivan has more. Kayla? Secretary of State Connie Lawson was unavailable for an interview today, but she said that she would give an update once she has more details to share. But many county clerks say they need this information now so they have maximum amount of time to prepare. Indiana counties are tasked to host one of the biggest elections during a historic pandemic. 
However, they've yet to get guidance on how. Counties need that direction. They've got to be compliant with state law, and they're going to look for that guidance on counties making special provisions. Former Republican Lieutenant Governor John Mutz isn't holding back his opinions when it comes to why Indiana isn't on board with no-fault absentee ballots in the general election. I think these local officials are concerned about what Donald Trump may think about. And that's most unfortunate because they have a job to do. He's not buying the president's rhetoric about how mail-in votes promote fraud. Donald Trump is behind in the polls. He realizes he may lose. He wants an excuse. And if he can say, well, it was rigged, uh, that's an excuse. Democratic former Indiana Lieutenant Governor Kathy Davis agrees. No-fault absentee ballot elections are safe and need to be offered to voters in November. She referenced a recent MIT study out of Oregon, a state where vote by mail has been in place since the year 2000. Two out of 50 million ballots were suspected of being fraudulent. What is your reaction to accusations President Donald Trump is the reason Indiana isn't allowing a no-fold absentee ballot election? Inaccurate. And can you further describe why? I mean, what would you say to someone who is maybe at high risk for COVID-19 but doesn't fall under the reasons to vote absentee in Indiana legally? Um, are you asking them to choose between their health and voting safely and, and the right to vote? Um, and will masks be required at the polls for workers or voters? Yeah, there's a mask requirement, and Indiana will have a um, safe and secure and healthy uh, in-person election on November 3rd. But folks need to understand that it is safe to vote. Now, in a statement, Democratic candidate for governor Woody Myers said denying Hoosiers the right to vote in a safe manner is simply without moral or scientific compass. Voting is the hallmark of our society, he says, and we should be able to vote safely with no excuse absentee voting, just as we did in June. Let's talk about it now with our panel, Rima Shaheed, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, Robin Winston, and Mike Murphy. And let's start with Rima, who's the executive director of Women for Change Indiana. Rima, what do you make of the governor's stance on this? Well, this past Thursday was, of course, the 55th anniversary of the Voter Rights Act. And I think that it is essential that we protect voters, we protect Hoosiers. I, I don't understand the governor's reasoning and when he says that we can administer a safe and healthy election when everything around us is saying otherwise. I think it's essential that we protect Hoosiers. It's essential that we allow people to vote in and participate in our democracy. And I would urge the governor, the election commission to take Indiana off the list of one of seven states that has not expanded um, the no-fault voting in the general election. Abdul, you had a chance to ask the governor about this at his weekly press conference as well. Any chance he changes his mind here or is compelled to change his mind legally? Well, I think what the governor will do is, well, what the governor's always done, he'll let the facts and the data drive his decision. Now, uh, please note that when we had uh, absentee voting or, sorry, mail-in uh, mail voting uh, before, uh, there were no cases of anyone being contracted COVID-19, uh, particularly those folks who actually went to the polls to actually go vote. And so with uh, wearing a mask and social distancing, you can get that done. One thing the governor did say I thought was interesting uh, was the word confinement. If a person is confined, then they can request a, a mail-in vote, uh, a mail-in ballot. 
Uh, the question is whether that's going to be self self whether it's self confined or confined for another reason, which the governor said we should know uh, by early September, within 30 days and some change, uh, with a decision uh, come down from the federal courts and the attorney general. Robin, if the courts say no and the governor says no, we're not expanding voting for the fall. Is there anything Democrats can do about it? I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't a, a request for a federal uh, ruling on this. Uh, Rima's right, 55 anniversary of the Voting Rights Act. We just put John Lewis in the ground less than two weeks ago who fought for voting rights. I've never understood a party that the Republican Party prides itself on freedom, individual liberties. Why not let people have the freedom to vote however they want and the individual liberty to cast their vote by mail? 600,000 people did in the primary. It worked very well and people were pleased with it. We had record turnout. We should do the same for the fall. Mike, what's your response? How do you see this issue? Well, it's, it's tough because I consider the governor, Secretary Lawson, and uh, former Lieutenant Governor John Mutz, who was my boss at one time, to be all be very good friends, logical. All three of them have incredible uh, levels of integrity. So I think you'll see uh, Lawson and uh, the governor, you won't be able to slip a piece of paper between those two. They will be uh, very much in line. Mutz is in a different uh, position. He can be an advocate. Um, without having the responsibility of administering at this point in his life. I will tell you, though, when I was the county chairman administering, uh, uh, helping administer four elections, the only election fraud we found was one Republican woman from Marion County who decided to go vote in Hamilton County as well at her old address. And so I think the chances for voter fraud are very slim. I'm always in favor of the maximum access to voting possible. Looks like the conventions coming up will be entirely virtual with Joe Biden and President Trump possibly giving speeches from elsewhere along with their running mates. Abdul, just another sign of how how strange this entire election season might be. Uh, Yes. And what's even stranger is the fact that Donald Trump might actually uh, give his acceptance speech uh, from the White House. That's got a lot of people all worked up saying how can you use the White House for, you know, political backdrops. Well, it's been done before and ever. Matter of fact, actually, it used to be a president didn't even go to a convention. Uh, FDR was the first one to do that when he announced his new deal. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how how it all breaks out. I could see Donald Trump doing something for the White House and Joe Biden easily doing something from Delaware. It's going to be an interesting election year, no doubt about it. Uh, Rima, what about this debate over schools and the coronavirus? Some cases already, Senator Braun this week saying schools should, quote, take a little bit of risk. Some teachers' unions continue to raise concerns. This is a pretty tough topic all around. This is a tough topic. I think that we saw the Indy 500 is now canceled because they're doing the right thing. They're looking at numbers and data, like my friend Abdul talked about. It's important to look at numbers and data. And numbers and data will tell you that the cases are astronomically higher right now than they were when we shut down. So again, looking at numbers and data, we should be safe about this and not force schools to reopen prematurely. I don't think that we're ready. I think that we need a statewide plan every single day. um, There are more and more cases here across central Indiana, and we can't really talk about taking a little risk when it involves lives, lives not just of of the students, but of the teachers and administrators. And I would urge uh, Senator Braun to maybe talk to his colleague, uh, Senator Young, who, who seemed a little bit more empathetic about the topic. And he said that we should put policies aside and we should really 
look at solutions. Um, and I and I don't think urging state schools to reopen prematurely is the right solution. Mike, how do you see uh, th this issue, really both of these issues, schools and the Indy 500, a lot of political layers here involved as those conversations continue? Well, when it comes to the 500, I think they're smart, they're, they're very smart businessmen and women, number one. And number two, they're great civic leaders in their own right. Um, and they recognize the danger. Now, they're not doing anything different, frankly, than what professional baseball, uh, professional basketball are doing, and maybe what the NFL and college football will end up doing down the road. When it comes to schools, I'm always amazed that we forget that the schools are run by independently elected school boards. There's nearly 300 school districts. There's not one size fit all. Ligoti, Indiana is gonna be very different from IPS, for example. And so we have to trust the elected officials whose job it is to run the school districts. We can't have a statewide plan. We can't have a national plan for every for all the school districts. It just does not work. Trust your local elected officials and the parents to figure this out. They are closest to the situation. Robin, you work with a lot of local school leaders. This is a tough issue. It's a tough issue. Mike Braun made a bad comparison. What a 19-year-old freshman could do will do on decision-making versus a seven-year-old seven at Eagle Creek is totally different. Um, it's gonna require more action by the teachers. It's gonna require more interaction. Uh, we um, know that our teachers are out there trying to do the best they can. A lot of kids right now need that help, need the support of the schools. Putting them in harm's way is not what we should do. Okay. Robin, Rima, Mike, Abdul, thank you all so much. We appreciate it. Stick around, we'll be right back after this. Across the border in Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine tested positive for coronavirus. Governor's office confirmed he tested positive Thursday, though then tested negative later that same day. He tested positive shortly before he was supposed to meet with the president in Cleveland. The governor tweeting that he had no symptoms, but did plan to quarantine in his home for the next two weeks. You can find more coverage online on our website. Just click on In Focus. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.